second is always a better good morning than the first, so I'm glad we could get that out of the way. So um, if you would, would you go ahead and uh, turn in your Bible? I'm going to do the reading. I'm going to tell you a little bit about me, tell you a little bit about God. I'm going to walk you through a little bit of what's going on and see if maybe, if, as Alex said before, if there's a calling in your heart to be a multiplier for what the kingdom of God is doing all over the West Valley. So uh, in Acts chapter 9, verse 31 This will be our text for today. It says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So you'll see a theme today as I'm walking you through some scriptures. It's about multiplication. It's about multiplying. So before I even get there, I just want to say thank you to Alex and to Jacob for inviting me. Uh, you all probably don't know this, but a few weeks back, I actually came and hang out with Alex and Jacob and his team for, um, for like a, almost a whole week. Uh, and more than anything, I got this sense that we are called to not just start a church, but to see churches plant other churches, to see a multiplication of what God is doing all over the valley. And when I first started talking to Alex about church planting and uh, trying to start a church, he said, man, I want to see your church succeed and then throw a party in the West Valley for what Jesus is doing. I was like, man, that is awesome. Uh, and you won't meet a lot of people who are that excited about a church getting started. In fact, when I hit the ground uh, in our neighborhood, I went to the neighborhood next to ours and I was talking to some people and I told that lady who was running the, uh, the real estate office and she was a salesperson. I said, uh, hey, the other place they... Uh, that I'm moving into, they let me hand out my cards and like a welcome pack and like, hey, here's Redeeming Life Church and you can come to my church. And uh, she looked at me and said, no, we don't do that. And I was like, okay, cool, cool. And I was like, uh, so can I just like give you some business cards? Well, and she says, we don't need another church in town. We got a church down here and a church there. And, you know, I, at first I kind of was discouraged. I like walked away. I was like, you know, maybe she's right. Well, we don't need it. I started thinking, no, no, no. Jesus is about multiplying the church. You cannot have enough churches. We have 211 people moving into the county every single day here in Maricopa County, and 90% of them do not know Jesus. So there is a ton of work to do. So I said, hey, I'm going to follow the call of what God has called my family to from Iowa, uh, <laughs> south, southwest Iowa. I don't know where he got north or Idaho or any of that. I've, it's close. In his mind, they're like neighboring states. They're like three states away. It's fine. Uh, it's fine. Uh, so yes, my family's from Council Bluffs, Iowa, which is right next to Omaha, Nebraska. We lived there for 15 years, uh, and then about 10 years ago, God started doing, stirring something in my heart, and about six years ago, we started taking it real serious, because I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when God calls you to be a multiplier, or to do something that seems a little crazy, um, sometimes we resist, and we say, I, I don't really want to do that, God, is there any other way, uh, and un unfortunately or unfortunately, there was no other way. I had to leave the snow, which is, I think it's snowing maybe in Iowa right now, to come here and enjoy this perfect Sunday where I get to come and preach the word to you and hopefully plant a church. So that's a little bit about me. My wife Megan's here. We have four kids. Uh, Noah and Amelia are here. They're on my core team. I couldn't be more excited to share the good news with you this morning. So I don't know about you guys, the worship band, they're crushing this morning. It was really, really good. Uh, and what I want to say about worship to kind of transition us in is Worship in general is supposed to reorient our hearts to what God is doing. And this morning, I'm going to make a contention that God is working in our hearts to make us multipliers disciples who can make a disciple. And here's the trick. 
Um, maybe you're a disciple. You've already accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and maybe you're even working with somebody else who's kind of trying to, uh, I like to think about it like a, a rock that needs a little polishing. You need a little polishing. They come alongside, kind of grind off the spots that aren't that great in your life, help you look more and more like Jesus. That's what good discipleship looks like. Um, and some of you, I mean, I'm, I'm not naive. There might be people in here who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I would say, do it today. Re re repent today for the sins you know you've committed uh, and the ones that you know you're going to commit. Um, you know, I did a, a little bit of time up at Valley Life and in, in, uh, uh, church, and their pastor is famous for saying, hey, maybe you just haven't sinned enough to know that you need to repent and trust in Jesus, right? I mean, there comes a spot where you're like, I need to submit, so maybe that's you. But either way, whether you're a disciple following close or you have never accepted that call to Jesus, today's the day to understand God's called us to something more. He's called us to be multipliers of his plan. So that's my big idea today. You and I are the multipliers because we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to share the gospel with people we have access to, people we have contact with in our community. What if we made the gospel simply this message, Jesus in our place for our sins? What if we just uncomplicated the gospel and said, he took the penalty that we should have gotten on the cross? And because of his perfect spotless record, we know we get his record. It's called the great exchange. It's beautiful. And at the end of it looks like eternal life, but you don't just die the minute you get saved. No, he saved you for a purpose. And I'm here this morning to make the contention that he has saved you for the purpose of making more disciples and watching those disciples make more disciples and watching disciples come around and help a plant get going to help a church start. So it's not about building a building and then telling people to come and then hoping they become disciples and then someday maybe, maybe they'll have an impact on their community. No, we, I think we just have it reversed. It's about the kingdom. It's about the community. It's about families rallying around Jesus and it's about making an impact in the kingdom for what he's doing. And it starts the day you get saved. Okay, I mean, I don't know if you all believe me yet. So we're going we're gonna to keep on keeping on. Uh, so the big idea, multiplication takes multitudes, but it starts with people like you and me, okay? It starts with people like you and me. David Platt, famous pastor, says it this way, Jesus didn't save you to sideline you, he saved you to send you, okay? He didn't save you so that you can be on the sidelines, no, he saved you so that you can be sent out. So you've been saved, you've been ready to be sent, you're not sure how to multiply or what it looks like, how about this? Have you invited somebody, anybody, to come to Asante Church? Anybody, okay? That's a good start. How do we, how do we know that's a good start? Well, they're going to hear the gospel, and there's a good chance they're going to get discipled. How about this one? Have you invited someone you know may not be a Christian to your small group, home group, I think they call them here? Have you done that? Man, when I was at Valley Life, I saw transformation. People who did not know Jesus come and Man, that was weird for the first few weeks. It's awkward. They don't, they don't know the culture and things. But after a while, they start asking questions. I'm going to tell you what, 20 years ago, that's how I kind of started dabbling in what it might be to follow Jesus. It was the guy who was really nice and kind to everybody, and he just started telling me about Jesus. And the more questions I asked, the more he told me, and the more he discipled me. That's how it works. Um, as I was looking at this text, and I'll read it again, it says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and had been built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. As I was looking at that, I said, this sounds so familiar. I know I've read a text very similar to this. So if you flip back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. How about if we said to the ends of the earth, to the ends of Asante, to the ends of Surprise, to the ends of the West Valley, to the ends of the Phoenix metropolitan area? What if we said to the ends of all of Arizona for Jesus, or the west side of the United States, or all of North America? So we have a big God who wants to save a lot of people. And he uses, for whatever reason, he uses people like you and me. It it's almost boggles the mind. I, I don't know about you, but for me, when I started thinking about it like that, it took my mind off of being a pastor somewhere and made me realize you're a missionary, right? Before you can ever be a pastor, preacher, any of that stuff, all of you are called into missions, right? We, we get fancy when you get to be a bigger church that have like a missions department, they compartmentalize it. Every Christian is on mission. What's the mission? To tell Jesus how good he's been in your life. Tell people about Jesus. That's, that's the mission. When I realized it was an aha moment for me, um, let me ask you some questions. Will you go into the areas in Asante community? I know it's not a huge community that you know isn't reached for Jesus and be the person who reaches them for Jesus. Will you do it? Will you do it in the West Valley as you go shopping, as you work in your corporate job or whatever God calls you to do during the week? Will you be his witness? Will you do it in Arizona? Will you do it in the West? Will you do it when you travel? I just think when you're reading this and it says his job is to convict us that the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and the ends of the earth is to build up and get people to walk in the fear of the Lord. And here's the best part, because you're comforted by the Holy Spirit. It's not like you have to do it. Really, the Spirit is doing it through you. This isn't really me giving you a to-do list. This is something to be. Have you ever thought about you to be a missionary? Have you ever thought about it like that? I think all Christians are called to be missionaries. Um, some of the context that I take today is from uh, Pastor Michael Crawford, who I have a bunch of respect for, and he just came and spoke this last week as I went to Alpharetta, Georgia for some training, and uh, he talked about a whole bunch of multiplication, but he said, um, so what does God say about multiplication? Let's catch the awe of a multiplying uh, disciple. Let me first say it's always been the plan, always been the plan. You're not plan B, you're not plan C, you are the plan. For whatever reason, God has chosen his people to be the light of the world. We're to go into the dark regions of the valley and tell people about the good news. And he's always been about a, he's a big God. I don't know if you guys, I'm kind of a, a space guy and I like to look at big pictures of things. And there's some YouTube videos out there from the James Webb Telescope. And you'll see like, Galaxy upon galaxy upon galaxy. And the humanists or the naturalists in our culture, the scientists, they'll say, man, they don't even know. Their head, like, look at this, right? And I'm like, uh-huh, I know. It's a, it's a big God. He, like, expands. He's like, look at all the universes. It's crazy. And they're like, and then there's stars. And we don't even know about these. In the Yes, that's God. He's that big. He, and he knows every star by name, right? And he knows how many hairs are on your head. That's the kind of God that we have. The scriptures are full of this multiplication. In Genesis, in the very beginning, it literally means the beginning of things. In Genesis 1.22, it says, And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let 
The birds multiply on the earth. Now, this is about the creatures, but it doesn't matter. God is, this is his plan, is to multiply. He goes on in Genesis 9-1, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth. In Genesis 22, 17 and 18, I surely will bless you. This is uh, God talking to Abraham. And I surely will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heavens. I just got done talking about that. As the sands of the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gates of the enemies. The enemies, let's put it this way. The devil is the enemy, right? We know that, right? In the New Testament says, man, we're going to come after the very, like the church is going to be built and the very enemy of God, the, the devil himself can't stop it, right? We're going to go right after it. That's exciting. That gets me fired up, in case you couldn't tell. And your offspring shall possess the gates of the enemies, and your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Have you obeyed the Lord's voice in your calling to be a missionary in your area, in your context? Maybe it's just you know, that family member that needs Jesus. Maybe it starts in your family, right? Maybe it's an uncle or brother-in-law, whoever it is. Maybe it's someone at work. Whatever your context is, however you can leverage it, please understand God is for multiplication. That is his primary goal. The whole scope of redemptive history in general shows God shows up, redeems people, and multiplies by his grace efforts. More and more people telling more and more friends. Friends tell friends about Jesus. A disciple disciples someone else. The gospel-preaching church starts. Another gospel-centric ministry gets going. It's God's plan. It's what he wants to do. Even the psalmist knew. In Psalm 22, it says this, All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nation shall worship before him. What does that tell us? All ends of the earth will remember who he is and they'll turn to him and worship him. The first century missionary teams, they knew. Guys like Paul who went and planted churches. But before that, Acts 5.14 says, and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Acts 6.7 says, and the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. This is one of those scriptures you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The Jewish priests were becoming obedient to the faith. We serve an amazing God who would even save a rabbi who like maybe even hated thinking about a Jesus character in his area. And all of a sudden he puts his faith in that message of hope and peace. And even the priests started to be obedient to the faith. And in the end times, in Revelation chapter 7, 9 and 10, and this I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could even number from every nation, from every tribe and people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out in a loud voice, salvation to belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Man, that's good news. All of redemptive history from Genesis to Revelation points to a God who will multiply. Do you believe it? So I got seven quick points to make. I'm going to make them really fast. I promise. And I heard a couple people like, 
guy took this long to get to the point, so I don't know if it's going to be fast. Point one, multiplication is always a blessing from God. It's always a blessing. We can't really do anything without the power of the Holy Spirit doing it through us. It's a blessing. It's always been about a blessing. So many blessings, you couldn't even count them all if you really thought about it. I'll talk more about that at the end of my message. Point two, multiplication was, is, and always will be God's plan. It was in the beginning. I read that in Genesis. It is in the end, in Revelation, but it's our plan today. Don't let your eyes and ears fool you. You might hear statistics that Christianity is on the decline. That is true. Out of all seven continents, there's only two continents that Christianity is declining in. North America and Europe. All the, other, all the other continents, evangelical Christianity is on the growth. We are declining. Declined about 1% or 2% the last couple years. What's that tell me? There's a lot of multiplication work that needs to be done. There's a lot of work for everyday Christians to really think about, hey, am I a missionary? I, I haven't really made a disciple. I'll even go as far as to say, if you're a Christian and you've never made a disciple, I think maybe you should pray about it. Lord, who can I disciple? Who, who do I know is kind of just dabbling in the faith and really needs to be strengthened? How can I disciple them? Make it intentional. Uh, point f- four, I think. Three. Multi- Thank you, crowd. Always, <laughs> crowd will keep me in line. Point three. Multiplication has enemies and obstacles. The devil hates it when you start making disciples. And I'll tell you what, you make a lot of disciples, you make a church, the devil really hates it when you make a church. I, I know you guys have probably come through some struggles at Asante just because it's difficult. It's difficult to do the Lord's work, and it's difficult to see more disciples made. But I'll tell you what, it is worth it. It is worth it. If you've read through the psalmist, you'll see David and other guys who cry out to God when the enemies of God came at him. Uh, man, tough and hard days David faced, but he always knew who to cry out to. You want to cry out to the Lord. I mean, um, we can't be Martha's in the New Testament where it's like they complain that it's so difficult all the time. And we have a great God. He always sees it through. He's never changing. He's for us, not against us. Um, and it's an honor to be on mission for what he's doing. So let's not do it with frowns on our face when we go tell our friends or like, you know, ho-hum stories. Let's do it with the excitement that, man, God radically transformed my life from the inside out. He's for you. He's not against you. He loves you. He cares about you. He loves you so much he sent his son to die for you. Do you believe that? It's an amazing, amazing God that we serve. Point four, you are God's primary strategy and instrument for multiplication. Maybe you've never thought about that. Maybe you've never looked at Revelation 7, 9, where it says that uh, humans kind of have a role. They all gathered around the throne and they watched as every tribe, every nation, every language, every color of people. That's how heaven's going to be. Some of you guys are like, I don't know, you know, every color, every nation, every language. You know, maybe, maybe we speak Spanish in heaven. I, don't, I have no idea. I hope, hope God teaches it to me. I don't know a lot of Spanish yet. We don't know. Uh, we have a lot of work to do. Point five, the scope of multiplication demands that we collaborate, that we work together. I want to pause just quickly here and say, I already appreciate Asante Church. Um, Alex didn't have to carve out three or four days to help train me um, in what it is to be a church planter or even how to, how to get some parties going on my side of town so I can get people to know about what I'm doing and know about what Jesus is doing in my heart and through my family. So I wanted to thank him uh, and, and know that it's collaborative effort. It's going to take you guys praying for me too. It's going to take a bunch of work. 
Uh, and prayer is the work. It's where God starts putting things in motion. Um, an analogy on this might be um, if I took a stone or a rock and I got in a canoe and went out to Lake Pleasant and dropped that one rock in the lake, what would happen? It would just be a little tiny ripple, right? But if I asked every one of you guys to find the biggest rock you could find in your backyard and take it out to Lake Pleasant and we all drop them simultaneously, well, now we're talking, right? Now we're talking like your boat's, you know, who knows? My boat might capsize. Who knows, right? But the idea is, is when one person, you start thinking about one person, right? And also, where in the Bible do you see one guy planting a church? It just doesn't happen. Paul always brings, you know, Silas or Timothy or one of these guys comes alongside and helps him to do it. Um, the work of multiplication is a collaboration of people doing it. Point six, multiplication only happens when we are committed to intentionally pursuing it. You guys may not know this, but before, as Asante Church was even getting started, I was blown away that one of the line items is saving for the next church planter, right? So part of the DNA of this church is, like, we want to help the next church planter. Think about that. That's like, we're gonna, we want to multiply. We don't want to just exist. We want to plan for the future. What's the future look like? Multiplication. We got to put a, lot, a little bit of money aside so we can help as that gets going. It's awesome. We must be dependent on what God is doing, point seven. We must pray if we want to see gospel multiplication. Okay? Everything in the gospel world and the kingdom of God starts with prayer. Um, when our church just got started, when I just met Noah and Amelia, we decided, actually Noah convinced me right away, hey, we need to sit down and pray. So we found a local church that was willing to have us, and they didn't even charge us to use the building. We got in there and we prayed six Wednesdays in a row. And Lord, the Lord is blessing that time. He's, we're communicating with God. God, we want to see multiplication. We want to see the gospel go forth in our area. Lord Jesus, please make it happen. And now he's doing the doing. Right? We've submitted ourselves to what he wants to do, and we're watching it play out. Prayer is and should be our primary strategy for pursuing and accomplishing multiplication. We have to be dependent on God for what he's doing, and prayer is the way that we do it. He's doing the work. Stop and have some time with God and see all the doing that he is doing and marvel at it. He has done a mighty work already in Asante. You know, a young ch church, only three or four years old. I mean, look around. Almost every seat in here is full this morning. God is working away. He wants more and more people to know that he's a good God who loves you and cares for you and has grace over your life. The application this morning, here it is. Can you make a friend around Jesus? Can you, you have friends, right? Have you made, have you thought in your mind, I could make a friend with this person, not just as a friend, but I could figure out ways to like love them like Jesus loves me. Like, what would that look like? Well, maybe I should take them and buy them coffee once a week. Maybe I should see if they're, hey, are you in a discipleship? Are you a Christian? Right, all these kind of conversations. How can you leverage your relationships for kingdom expansion? That's multiplication. That's what it looks like. Can you do it? I think you can do it. What does a missionary do except go out into the field and tell people about Jesus? Any opportunities we might have. I'll close by giving you a great example of what Jesus did when the crowds came around him. If you go in your Bible to Matthew 14, this will be our last bit of scripture reading, and then I'll close with a quick gospel presentation, and then I'll pray for us. So if you go to Matthew Chapter 14, I had it all lined up here. 
we're going to pick it up in I think it's verse 13. It's a little dark up here. I can see it, I think. Okay. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples, they came to him and said to him, there is a, this is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away so we can go into the village and buy some food for them, for ourselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. Isn't that the life of a missionary? I don't have anything to offer them. Jesus says, what do you have? I have five loaves, two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he blessed the food. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowd and they, all the crowd ate and they were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. The reason I tell you this about the multitudes is it's often we think we don't have enough to offer. But Jesus not only showed up just like he does in every one of our conversations if we would take multiplication seriously, he shows up and not just feeds that need, but there's leftovers. I mean, he's a good God. Not just the needs that are right there, but 12 baskets of leftovers. Do you believe that that's the kind of God we worship? That he would not just supply your everyday needs, but he's already supplying the needs around you of people you could tell the gospel to. What if he was using you as the person who would explain the gospel to that friend, to that neighbor, to that weird uncle that you got, that you know needs Jesus? What if, what if God's like, this is you, this is you to do? Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for the opportunity to come and talk about how good you've been to so many people in this room. Help us to see our lives not just as disciples, but as disciple makers, ones who would see multitudes of folks come to know Jesus right here in Asante, right here in the West Valley, that it would have a ripple effect, that more and more people would come to know you and call on you as Lord. But Lord, we just want to do it for your glory. We want every disciple to make a disciple multiply for your glory, Jesus. Because we love you and you've been so good to us, we can't help but share that good news with others. We pray this in Jesus' name.